So Karen, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're extremely busy. Uh, first of all, tell us how you got to Kelowna and how long you've been here. First of all, thank you for having me. This is really exciting and fun to do, especially on a Friday. Um, I moved to Kelowna 20 years ago now, which I can hardly believe. And uh, I got here through a pretty circuitous route. I'm born and raised in Ontario and lived there for 21 years and uh, attended university in Ottawa graduated from there, and then moved with my then-husband to Nova Scotia, where I lived in Halifax for three years. And from there, my parents had decided to retire to the Okanagan, so wanted to be closer to them. So moved to Vancouver and lived in Vancouver for a few years, then had my first child and decided grandparents nearby was absolutely imperative. Mm -hmm. So moved to Kelowna so that we could be closer to family really have my kids have that relationship with their grandparents. So, yeah, it's hard to believe it's been 20 years, but here I am, and I love it. Did you know much about Kelowna before you came? I guess you visited with uh, your parents up here, but um, was it an easy decision? I guess I didn't know that much about it except from visiting my family and knowing that it was absolutely beautiful. Mm. One of the key drivers was affordability, Living in Vancouver was getting to getting to a point where it was just too expensive. And living there now that I was a mom and had to think about my child, mm-hmm. I just didn't think it was the greatest place in terms of raising kids for me at that point in my life. So we were really drawn to the weather here, the lifestyle, and just the incredible beauty of it. And no turning back. I would never live anywhere else. So you work with the Kelowna Women's Shelter. Tell us about that. How long have you been doing that, and how did you start with that? I've been executive director at the Kelowna Women's Shelter for four and a half years now, Uh, and kind of like living in Kelowna, I came by that work in a pretty circuitous fashion. Mm -hmm. It all makes perfect sense now, but the story's interesting. I started my career as a journalist. I have a degree in journalism from Carleton University, and I worked as mainly a broadcast journalist in television and a little bit of radio with CBC in Ottawa, Halifax, Vancouver, and then a little bit here. Um, But then I moved into doing public relations and marketing work. The media stuff was just, in the end, not my thing. I love meeting people. love getting to know them. I love telling stories. I don't love doing nasty political stories. I don't love knocking on someone's door to interview them if their child has been abducted and murdered. Mm. So I decided it really wasn't, in the end, the world for me. So I moved into public relations, which allowed me to still meet people, get to know stories, tell stories for organizations I believed in. Mm -hmm. So I did that for about 10 years. Um, But through it all, I've always been a volunteer, and I've always been passionate about the rights of women and children. Mm And I did start volunteering at Kelowna Women's Shelter. I was really drawn to the organization's mission of ending abuse and building hope for women and children in our community. So when I was volunteering there, I had a bit of a midlife career crisis and decided I wanted to be executive director of a nonprofit that I believed in. Mm -hmm. And the first time I said it aloud was to one of my colleagues at the shelter. And she said, you're kidding. We're about to restructure the organization, and the board of directors is going to be posting a position for an executive director. You should apply. Wow. And I thought, well, that's crazy, because I've never been an executive director before. I'm not a social worker. 
how could I do this job? But I couldn't get it out of my head. And that was on a Friday, and I spent all weekend just thinking about it. And I kept thinking, there's a reason I heard about this at this time in my life. So I took the plunge, and I asked the chair and vice chair of the board of directors if I could take them for coffee. And I planned this pitch about why they should hire me to run the Kelowna Women's Shelter, what I could bring with my years of marketing and public relations experience, what my relationships in the community could do to benefit the organization in terms of profile and fundraising, and I did my song and dance, even though, you know, deep inside I was terrified and right. thought, who do you think you are? And at the end of our wonderful coffee meeting, they said, well, great. It was lovely to meet you. And we're not quite ready to post the role. But when we do, we'll let you know. And I thought, well, that's it. I mean, I went out on a limb. I tried, but that was crazy. And then when they posted the role, I did compete for it. And the board decided that they would take a risk on me and um, bring me into the organization and again, four and a half years ago, and it's been the most amazing role and opportunity that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I feel, this may sound ridiculous, I feel like this is what I was made to do. Right. So what does that involve, being the executive director? Tell us about some of your daily duties. I get to do all the really fun stuff like human resources and budgeting and accounting, making sure that our payroll is up to date, ensuring that we're following all the rules of the BC Society Act, which is really important for a nonprofit. I get to do all that really boring stuff, but which is really important to running an organization. We have almost 30 staff working for the shelter, so it's quite a lot of people to manage, and we have a lot of processes and in place to keep it running from a business perspective. So I do the business side. I do not do the frontline work. I have an incredible team of women with social work and human service work backgrounds, Mm -hmm. and they work directly with the clients to provide them the support and counseling and uh, education and mentorship that they need. I absolutely love that I get to work in the shelter, so I get to know our clients I get to cuddle their babies quite regularly, which is one of my favorite parts of the job, but I do not do that frontline work. Uh, One of my favorite parts of my job is that I get to go into the community and tell other people what the shelter does and how amazing and important that work is. I think that is an incredible privilege that I get to share what we do and uh, help people understand how important it is and who it helps and help the community understand that every donation, every volunteer hour is supporting real women and children who share this community with us and is helping them start new lives free of abuse. So it's, it's a privilege to do what I do. So what was your role before you became executive director? When I was a volunteer with the shelter, I was doing all the social media for the shelter. Oh, so okay. I would write and post social media posts The social media communication is a really important part of keeping the community up to date with what we're doing, who we're helping, how donor dollars are going to help real people. But it's also a really important part of educating the community on the issue of intimate partner violence and how big of a problem it is and what we as citizens can do to help fight it. So let's talk about that. Um, Tell us what the mission is. I mean, it's obvious, but tell us some more detail about what the role of the women's shelter is in Kelowna. Our mission at Kelowna Women's Shelter is ending abuse, building hope. And that really sums up 
everything that we do. So we do run the shelter, which is officially called a women's transition house, and it offers free emergency and transitional housing for women and their kids. Officially, our funding is for up to 30 days, Mm -hmm. but you as a realtor know, and anyone who lives in this community knows, affordable rental housing is hard to find in our community. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women are finding they are staying with us much longer than 30 days as they try to find an affordable, safe home to move into. So that's one piece of what we do. But there are a number of other programs we offer completely free to the community that have to do with ending abuse in our community. We do outreach programs. We have a counselor who will go and meet with women in the community or at the shelter. And they don't have to be staying with us. They don't have to need shelter, but they need support. And they maybe need a safety plan or advice on how to leave a relationship. We offer drop-in support groups twice a week. And one of those has free childcare for moms who need that. We have a couple of programs that focus on working with children and youth. One is called Peace, and it's really designed for kids who've been in family situations where they've witnessed abuse or major family conflict and change. That's a fabulous program that can really support children in our community to help them grow. And we have one called the Inside Out Violence Prevention Program for Youth. That goes into the schools and works with kids on a multi-week basis on things like self-esteem, communication skills, Mm -hmm. how to deal with your emotions, how to be um, fair and respectful in relationships. It's really all about helping stop that cycle of abuse before it starts. So those are really important programs because they're preventive. So much of of what we do is after the fact, but those preventive programs are so important. So all of those pieces add up to um, how we at Kelowna Women's Shelter serve the community and why we're there. And the reason we're there, as we all know, is intimate partner violence and abuse is still a huge issue in our society. Statistically speaking, one in three women will experience abuse at the hands of a partner in her lifetime. But that's based on reported incidents. And we know there's still so much stigma attached to this that the number has got to be higher. Some people say it's, it's closer to half of women will experience this. And this doesn't have to be pure physical abuse. Emotional abuse, financial abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, some of those can have deeper, more devastating long-term impacts on somebody even than being hit. So we deal with women on all of these issues and our goals really are to support women, to meet them where they're at in their journey, to help them move on to that next place so that they can feel confident in themselves, know that it was not their fault, that they don't deserve to be treated that way, and then really to help them through all of our programs move into a life free of abuse where they're respected and loved. That's excellent. Um, I've seen it in my own family and friends' uh, situation where a woman leaves an abusive situation, but then after time goes by, she wants to go back. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? How, how does the the shelter handle that? If a woman says, listen, I'm, I'm going home. He's uh, apologized and everything is fine. How do you deal with that? They call it the cycle of abuse for a reason. There's a cycle that happens and it's pretty textbook. And after an abusive incident or series of incidents, there's often what they call the honeymoon period where the partner will feel incredible guilt will apologize, will buy flowers and roses and chocolates and swear, I love you, I'll never do it again. Beg and plead, please don't leave me, please come back, it'll never happen again. It's a really textbook scenario. And you have to remember, the thing I think we tend to forget, 
This is the man she loves. There's a reason she's with him. He may not be a total monster. In the end, she wants to believe he won't do it again. She wants to believe on some level that maybe it was her fault and maybe if she could be better, he won't treat her that way. So she goes back. In fact, the statistic on that is it takes a woman on average seven times leaving before she leaves for good. And while that is a heartbreaking statistic, at the shelter we do see women more than once. And I say every time she walks through that door, we welcome her with open arms because she's that step closer to leaving for the last time. And we can't force someone to leave for good. You can only get there on your own terms. So what we do is support and educate and love and tell them we're there. And when they leave, if they leave, they know they can come back anytime with no judgment. Wonderful. So what happens in a case where a month or two or three goes by and they're having a hard time finding a place to go? Uh, I could see that they would almost um, they would get attached to the people that they're living with and the staff and actually be very comfortable Do you ever have a situation where it's time for someone to go, but they really don't want to go because it's a great place? That's an excellent question. You'd think you worked at the shelter or something. (laughs) That absolutely does happen. You know, we, we have a beautiful, warm, welcoming place. People are provided with food and clothing and support. It's kind of like having all your favorite aunties there to talk to because our staff are so wonderful at supporting women and so well-trained. And women come to us at time of such need that we really are able to support them. So we absolutely find that some women stay with us longer than is perhaps best for them. At the same time, if somebody is not able to secure safe, affordable housing, we're not going to kick them out. Our job is to support them and help them move on. So we really work closely with women to create action plans to work with them to get housing, whatever that looks like. If they have family and supports in another community and they need help to get there, we help them with that. Our goal is always to lift women up and get them to the place where they are able to move on with confidence and comfort and safety. Um, And we don't want them to stay with us forever because we are transitional housing. (laughs) Do you help them uh, locate affordable housing or contact relatives perhaps in other provinces and do you assist with that process of finding a place luke mancus is a realtor with remax Kelowna. he loves what he does we asked luke if he had any regrets about moving here in 2011 and he always says yeah one regret and that is he didn't move here sooner When Luke came here, he didn't know anyone. He didn't know the neighborhoods or anything or anyone besides his daughter, who was six years old at the time. So he knows what it's like. Now he's an expert and has helped well over 100 single people, couples, families, and investors with their real estate needs in the Okanagan. If you're new to our beautiful city, Luke can help you get connected with great lawyers, dentists, carpenters, landscapers, swimming pool installers, you name it. And whether you're new to Kelowna or not, Luke knows real estate. He can help you find a great property, negotiate a good deal, and hold your hand all the way through the process until the day you get your shiny new set of keys. Luke is known as a no-pressure kind of guy. He's had clients where it took even a year or more to get them into a property. He just doesn't believe in rushing things. On the other hand, 
when you decide it's time to act, he's diligent, and he'll work day and night until the job is done. Give Luke Makas a call or a text message at any time, 778-215-4273. Again, that's 778-215-4273, 778-215-4273, to chat with Luke about real estate. Our staff spend some time every day looking up what rentals are available in the community. We work closely with some of the subsidized housing facilities and have applications on hand. So we will work with clients, help them fill out their applications. We sometimes will drive them to appointments if they're applying for housing, places like that. So we definitely assist them and support them in that process. The actual getting of a place to live is is up to the woman. So she might go and meet with the landlord and secure the housing. But we do everything we can to ensure that they're signed up for any social benefits they might qualify for, for any subsidized housing that might be available in the community, and to make sure they're aware of opportunities that come up because they can be few and far between. Do you think um, this is a problem that is growing or it's pretty consistent or does it fluctuate? So the four and a half years you've been there, You've been there longer than that, but you've been there four and a half years as executive director. Um, Do you see this as a growing problem in Kelowna or pretty consistent? It's really hard to say. I don't know if this issue is any better or worse than it's ever been. We're talking about it more, which is fantastic. And the statistics show that Kelowna has some of the highest reported incidents of intimate partner violence. But that doesn't mean it happens more here. It means it's reported more here, which, if you flip it on its head, is potentially a good thing because that could mean people know there are services here. Mm -hmm. They feel comfortable that they will be supported and that the police will support them, so they report more. We have a domestic violence unit in our RCMP locally, and that has been a wonderful addition to the service landscape in terms of supporting women who are in need and fleeing violence. Mm -hmm. So I don't like to guess if it's better or worse or constant. I can tell you at the shelter, we have 16 beds. We are always full and always getting more calls. So whatever it looks like in terms of better, worse, constant, the need is huge and we need more shelter beds and more work done to stop this problem and more work done to create safe, affordable housing so women don't get stuck staying in an abusive relationship or stuck at a shelter. So tell us what the community is doing to help and what we can do to help further. We're really fortunate at the shelter. We get a ton of support in this community. We get donations from individuals and organizations, companies, foundations. We have to fundraise for about half of our budget every year, which is about $600,000, We're only government-funded for about half of the work we do. So because of the generosity of so many in our community, we're able to do that every year, which is an incredible blessing. Um, Realtors, for example, are one group that we rely on. We get support every year through OMREB, the Okanagan Mainline Real Estate Board, of which I think all professional realtors are members. That every year is an incredible addition to the work we do, and we so appreciate it. Every year, we get a lot of support from the realtors at Royal LePage. They do our children's Christmas party, and we get support through their shelter foundation. Remax supports us almost every year. So the realtors are one of the big groups we count on. So thank you. 
on behalf of us at the shelter for that. Um, it's pretty amazing the support we get. We also operate a thrift store, which I haven't mentioned yet. Our thrift store is a fabulous place to shop. I buy a lot of my clothes there. Um, and when people donate to our thrift store, they're not just supporting the shelter, they're supporting others in need in the community because we give free vouchers to our clients and we give free vouchers to people who use services at about 30 other local nonprofits. Mm-hmm. So not only does the money raised go to support us raising $600,000 a year, we're also helping people in need in the community, which is a really great thing. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage anyone who hears this podcast, if you haven't gone to our thrift store, please do so to donate or to shop because we have some great deals. So those are some of the ways the community supports us in terms of uh, financial Volunteers are really important to the work we do. We couldn't do what we do without them. So volunteers are huge. We have volunteers who help with administrative support, child care. They do tasks like helping us um, package up and mail out our newsletter twice a year, events around the community, at our thrift store. So volunteers are a huge part of what we do, and we really couldn't function without them. In terms of the issue of violence against women... The community can be vocal. They can keep pulling it out from under the rug like we've been doing these last few years. And I think men have a particular role to play. Violence against women isn't a women's issue. It's a human issue. And men have to take a leadership role to stand up against it. So whether it's on the golf course or in the locker room or talking to your sons, Promoting equality and respect at all times of women and speaking out in moments where women are not being respected or are being mistreated, I think is a responsibility that all men and all humans need to take on. And that's something you can do even if you don't have five cents to donate. Do you have uh, social media or somewhere people can find out about the thrift store and um, any events that you have? We have a website, kelowna and all the information about the services we offer, how to access them, and information on things we need in terms of our wish list at the shelter and at our thrift store. That's all on our website. We're also very active on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So people can, I encourage people really to follow us on Facebook because we're posting pretty regularly, not only about our own events and our own services and the issue of intimate partner violence, but about events that are happening in the community that others are putting on to support the work we do. We really like to help promote those people and organizations who are doing stuff to benefit the shelter because we're so grateful for that. So Karen, tell us what you love most about your job at the women's shelter. I joke that the best part of my job is cuddling other people's babies. Everybody at work knows I'm a baby fanatic, and I'm not quite a grandma yet, so that's fine. I'm happy to cuddle other people's babies. We have this young mom staying with us whose baby is about six weeks old, and uh, I have a great relationship with her, and she often brings the baby to see me. So I pretty much plucked baby out of her arms yesterday so I could have a little baby cuddle, and that's just a great way to start my day. Um, But I think... Overall, the best part of my job is feeling like I get to go to work and do something that has an immediate impact on improving the lives of women and children who share this community with me and with us. It, um, it's an incredible privilege, and I get pretty emotional about it. Well, thank you so much for your time. I think you've covered uh, everything I wanted to cover. 
on the show. Is there anything else you would like to add for our, our listeners? And I'm going to put links in the show notes for your social media and everything else so people can find you. But is there anything else uh, you'd like to say? One of the things I love about working at the shelter is the opportunities we have to partner with other organizations in the community. We collaborate really closely with other nonprofits who are helping similar clients. But we also have the privilege right now of partnering with the University of British Columbia on a really groundbreaking research study into intimate partner violence and traumatic brain injury. It's a topic that has been understudied, barely studied to date. So we've been involved for a year now in a collaborative research project looking into the connection between intimate partner violence and abuse and traumatic brain injury. And our goal is to use the results of this study to show how often this is happening and to get funding and training in place so that people who work in frontline organizations with women can learn the signs and symptoms of brain injury and we can develop better protocols and better supports for women who may be experiencing the impacts of a concussion, not just the impacts of being in an intimate partner violence relationship. So that's a really exciting and emerging piece of work that I feel really privileged to be doing at the shelter. We're doing wonderful work already, supporting women, giving them a place to lay their head, counseling them, empowering them, and to also be involved in this work that we hope will create benefits down the road for more women is just really exciting. Yeah, I think it's important to keep in mind that uh, there's a lot of psychological and emotional trauma that occurs, but there's also physical uh, effects, and sometimes it can be quite bad. So that's I want to commend you for the work that you're doing. That's really amazing. Is there someone in Kelowna that you find to be a fascinating person and you would love to see come on the show in the future? How many episodes are you going to do? Because I have so, so many people. I could give you, I'd give you a very long list. I'm going to pick one, but I could give you a very long list. I feel privileged to have lived here and gotten to know some incredible, smart, powerful people who are just doing great things in so many different areas. At the same time, today I feel like I would need to recommend my life partner, Dr. Paul Van Donkelaar, who is a professor at the University of British Columbia and one of British Columbia's leading concussion researchers with whom we are working on our research study into concussion and intimate partner violence. He is the associate vice principal of research at UBC, so his job involves promoting the research that's being done at the university and helping researchers connect with the community and with funding. But his work on traumatic brain injury has been groundbreaking, Mm -hmm. and I feel really privileged that we at the shelter get to work with him and think he could add some really interesting information and perspective to your podcast. Thanks so much, Karen, for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me.